Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. We can put in the bit where I said he's an alky nut job. <laughs> This week, Celtic proved no match for the Bats as a weak Parkhead performance leaves European progression looking unlikely. Number 8 scores number 2, putting his 8 points clear to 8 in a row. All this and more on this episode of 20 Minute Tims. It's 20 Minute Tims, episode 169, and I am joined this week by Melly. Hello. And Stephen. Good evening. Superstar podcaster Melly and <laughs> side guest Stephen this week. And contributors. Um, how have we been, Stephen? Not bad, not bad at all. Through your curveball there, you just got Melly yeah, first. Yeah. <laughs> not bad, it's been a feast of football this, this week, it really has. This doesn't make for good podcasting, but I missed most of it live. Right. <laughs> um, I, I might explain that later on. Melly, how have you enjoyed Celtic's fair this week? Up and down, up and down. It has been an up and down weekend. Um, Melly at the match? We had that this week. Where were you? At the match. <laughs> oh, you got it. <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> uh, Celtic Valencia, obviously. Friday, uh, Thursday night. Yes. Thursday night. Steph joined me. I was once again a guest on Mail mm-hmm. at the Match, the hugely popular Patreon podcast that we've been running. Has there ever been a band where someone's side project has been more more popular than the band? Well, it, has Melly at the Match sort of become the Frasier? To cheers. Uh, right, yeah, I think that's what it is. It's the it's a connoisseur's choice. <laughs> Simmer down again, boy. Let's go. <laughs> he doesn't want to go into his head. And Melee the Match, for those of you who don't know, is a, a podcast available to our, our patrons. If you're interested at all in Patreon, you can check it out at patreon.com slash 20 minute times. Just to be note there, we're almost at the 500 patron mark by the way. So we're incredibly grateful for that. Thank you for everyone who signed up for that. Yeah, very, very much appreciated all the support that you guys give us. Um, Melee. Celtic Valencia, what happened to me? <laughs> so let, let me tell you about my Thursday night. Missed the game. I was on a flight abroad and some guy decided to batter the passenger behind him. It was in the papers, everyone, uh, you might have noticed, yeah. An absolute barney and the, the air hostesses were put over the they put over the blower. We need some assistance, we need some assistance. And uh, this was my moment. This was at... <laughs> passenger 57. I was always bet on black. So I just <laughs> I stood up, made my way to the back of the plane. But uh, it's okay, it was handled by a six foot guy that looked like Stone Cold Steve right. Austin. Um, so I missed the Celtic game, but when I landed in Madrid after my plane got diverted, I uh, I saw the score and I was less than impressed. Hmm. Yeah, but as impressed as me and Stephen going into the game two 0 Valencia as a final score, you'd probably say that could probably be fair. But it was the performance in the game from Celtic that wasn't good enough. Again, beaten by a better team, better players, spent more money, higher wage bill, playing a better league. Yes, all that's true. But Celtic were 
pretty poor. They never yeah. got going from the very start. The first 10 minutes were okay, but after that, they just played right into Valencia's hands. I'd go further than that. I thought the first 10, 12-ish minutes were actually quite good. <laughs> no much further than that. No, but I would say they were, they were better than all right. I thought Celtic were actually quite good at that point. They were taking the game to Valencia, but after that... Do you yeah, think but, that was maybe Valencia feeling Celtic out yeah, a wee bit, more, see what they had to offer? More than likely. They, Valencia just set up their 4-4-2 from that point on and just Celtic didn't penetrate the, the entire game, really. Now... I, I agree with Melly. I, I never expected Celtic to get through this tie. I didn't. I never expected that at any point. But I turned up to this game really excited about it and really looking forward to it because, you know, we might not get through this, but this is Valencia, a big historic European team. It's a, a cracking tie to get. And you know what? We might not go through, but we could give them a right good, a right good black eye, and maybe get a, one of these famous like three each draws. I think Melly, did you know pick three yes. each last Monday? Actually, we can give them a right good scare. Take something over to the Mestalla with a wee bit of hope of going through but it, it just it just kind of fell apart I was actually mildly embarrassed by the whole thing now I'll qualify that by saying it's not the same as losing 7-0 to Barcelona or PSG or something right that, that, those are extraordinarily embarrassing but the Valencia thing it was the manner of the performance I just thought it was so inept and tame and disjointed and it was just the senior players didn't turn up and Celtic never imposed their will at any point in the game, and it was all just a little bit limp. We'll pick through the game, but I think overall what you have said has been the overarching opinion of, of most mm. people, is that Celtic, there seems to be two Celtics. There seems to be Celtic at home in, in the SPFL, where they're this marauding, fast-pacing, attacking team, and then there's Celtic in Europe, which I've sort of likened to, they're like a cheap copy of the Celtic mm. we're used to watching at home. They just can't seem to do the things that they do at home. And I've been sort of mulling over this over the past couple of nights. And I, I've still not settled on where, how much it is the players not doing the basics or how much it is the manager just repeatedly sending the players out to play that Scottish game in Europe when it's failed time and time again. It's, it's hard to explain looking at it that way. It's not hard to explain, but I was the going be- to say, you better explain The way we play in Scotland, I've been thinking about it as well, the way we play in Scotland is the way we should play. Mm. Now, there's no reason for that not to be translated into Europe. The reason it isn't translated into Europe is because the players don't do it properly. Now, if we're playing out from the back, there's always a spare man around there, so you can get out, but the players have to be brave, the ball has to be moved quicker, all these things need to fo- fall into place, but that wasn't happening. Ball wasn't getting moved quickly enough. Midfielders weren't dropping in quickly enough to receive the ball. It was always the easy pass we played. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't whoever had the ball made the mistake. Nobody was taking responsibility. That was throughout the whole game. Now, we know the defenders passed the ball side to side. Three midfielders in there have to demand the ball as well. They have to move into space. Valencia, once they get into that four four two, they just sat in it and the two strikers moved across, the midfield moved across and they just cut off. We made it so easy for them that that was the most disappointing thing about the performance. After the first 10 minutes, Valencia, as you said, settled into the game. But the crowd started to get a wee bit anxious and that's mm. because Celtic didn't take the game to Valencia. They didn't create a chance that got the crowd off their feet and believing you know, when you miss that chance and the crowd starts yeah. cheering after it. They didn't once do that. They all just took the easy option and played it sideways, played it inside. 
and even Ryan Christie did go at Izagiri a couple of times on our side, Stephen. Yeah, that's right. Just play it down the line, play it into me, but he didn't. He chose to cut that, go inside and go across. The good, the good thing about when Celtic play in Europe is there's a lot of great analysis. You know, people really dig deep into it. Something I read with interest was Stefan Bienkowski, who now writes for the BBC actually, yeah, yeah. had had a bit of a look at the stats. And Celtic had 17, 790 passes on the night, 61% went forward, which seems quite high, but in comparison to the rest of the game Celtic have played in Europe, that's the lowest figure. Right. 16% of those passes forward were only into the Valencia final third. So it's hmm. it's borne out in the stats that there was a real lack of attack and penetration. We're just on stats, what Melly's saying there about the, the safe passing, Celtic ended up with a higher pass completion rate than Valencia, hmm. but that was that was borne out in the style of passing that was happening. I think it was 90% pass completion, but all that tells me is he kept the ball in the back four basically all night. We often refer to our old dads on this podcast who, um, who who give us words of wisdom. And one thing my dad always says is when when he's watching SPFL teams, he'll say they lack the belief to attack us. He mm. goes, SPFL teams, he goes, see if they just had a bit of belief in themselves and attacked Celtic, they would get more out of the game than they would. Now, I'd be inclined to look at Celtic v Valencia and say, the lack of passing options into the final third, or the lack of pa- the lack of passes into the final third, shows what you said, Melly. Nobody wants to go on the ball and make the mistake. We lack the belief that we can do it at that level. There was another great bit of analysis from an account called the underscore final pass. I tweeted it from my account. Um, I'll probably refer to that video a couple of times because he done he done a lot on it. But one thing it highlighted was on what we're talking about was the amount of times Burke was open and the lack of utilization of Burke playing him down the channel, playing him on the counter-attack when he was open. And that, to me, is indicative of the lack of belief that I was talking about. And I think there was three things that let Celtic down on the night. One of them was a lack of belief. This might sound obvious. One of them was a lack of quality in their own play. And one of them was a lack of speed. And I think that that half-second, half-yard that we get in Scotland doesn't exist in Europe. The one exciting moment from Celtic's point of view in the night was... Scott Sinclair releasing Burke. He didn't get to it, but it was the one time we thought oh, could be in here. And yeah. the keeper eventually came out and kind of slide tackled it clear. But you're right that Burke was going to be the outball all night. That's what that's really what he's there for. That's what he's good mm-hmm. at. We just didn't make use of it. We didn't make use of it at all. We spoke about it in the St Johnston game when he bust past that guy for yeah. the fourth goal, was it? And puts the ball across for Sinclair. That, that's unbelievable pace. Imagine having that your team and we didn't utilise it once. The problem I had it was was it was all safe. See if we are going to... It was like earlier in the season, there was times when Celtic would just keep the ball for the sake of it just because they didn't want to be the guy that gave it away so they wouldn't hear the groans of the crowd. Now, the team were on a high. We've went in, we've won every game, not conceded a goal. And to go into that game and then be fearful of a wee bit of the crowd getting on your back is, is unforgivable at this yeah. level because that is not the kind of players you want at Celtic Park. I remember saying to the guy beside me at the start of the season when we were going through that bad stage, a ball was played over and it went out of play. I was like, I don't mind that because at least they tried it, at least it was it. See if we could have played in Burke and got the ball up in their half, one a corner or something. That gets the crowd growing straight away. But see this passing across the back four so it's not you, you're not the one that gets the groans. That's not going to get the fans anywhere. That's what we needed lifted, and the team didn't lift the fans, not the other way about. There was a, th- a thing doing the rounds maybe a season or so ago about Kevin De Bruyne and about how he had like a, some sort of very low 
statistic when it came to, or remarkable statistic when it came to losing the ball. But that's because he was always trying to make something happen. Mm. And you don't mind that. If he's got like a, say, 70% passing completion, but he's always trying to create something, that's fine. He can do that. And Edward came on later in the game and he lost the ball a few times, but he was trying to make something happen. And that's that's what you want to see. At, at that point, stats become largely irrelevant if someone's actually trying to force something to happen. I spoke to uh, two rather insightful people in the build-up to this game. One Me was, Millie? Yeah. <laughs> one was uh, our resident blogger, Tom, who patrons will know from his, having written some excellent blogs for us on there. He flagged something up. He said, that this game, this is ahead of time. This game kind of feels like Man United going to play PSG in the Champions League. And what he meant by that was that everything's going really well domestically. Everything's flying. They're, they're racking up these wins. They're undefeated in so many games and the same with Celtic. But there's a big step up coming, a big step up in quality. PSG, Valencia, are they ready for it? And they weren't. And that was kind of the case with Celtic as well. Now, the other person I spoke to was a, a Valencia fan, a Carlos you made that up. <laughs> no, no the, the most Spanish. Was it Jose by any chance? <laughs> Jose Garcia. Um, and he, I, I said to him before the game that, you know, I, as I said at the start of this podcast, you know, I'm not really that bothered about it. It's a, it's a nice bonus at the time, but it'll be a good game, it'll be a good performance, yada, yada. And he said something incredibly similar back to me. He was like, well, yeah, look, we are concentrating on the league. We can really do something this season. So really, this is just a kind of bonus. It'll be a great game. I'm trying to get tickets for it. He was struggling to get tickets. But at the same time, I don't I don't think Valencia will turn up tonight. Boy, was he wrong. I spoke to him after the game as well. And he he was trying to be sort of diplomatic about it, try, try to heal relations. But he was saying yeah, it was it was okay. But he said it was, it was very easy. They had a lot of players missing. And he was just surprised at how inept Celtic were at the time because he was expecting a sort of really hard-fought battle and how he finished it was saying Nosotros somos personas What does that mean? I want you no. to Google that <laughs> <laughs> um, Well that's I mean that's what I, I put it down to the lack of belief the lack of the speed of thought as well like you just need you need you know what it comes down to as basic as it sounds you need to up your game against more difficult opponents and as much as I love him and I do love the man I love Brendan Rodgers it's, I, I just can't help but feel it's his fault because we have seen Celtic in Europe Time and time and time again. And, you know, when we attack teams or when we don't attack teams, we've been on the end of some absolutely howling defeats. He's tried to play it differently. He played five at the back against Barcelona. Mm, We get battered. You need to find... He needs to find a way to navigate these games as a manager. Um, And you can't just tell the players, have belief, because you need to instill that belief in them. But he, there seems to be a disconnect between what he sees... And then he sends them out and he comes back. They come back defeated and he's surprised at that. Celtic, I, I just don't think we we acquit ourselves well enough in Europe. I'm, lo- I'm looking back, even under the likes of Lennon, Strachan. I'm, I'm trying to f- pick those maybe one, two or three results from Brendan Rodgers, Celtic in Europe, where you think that's the night. Man City, maybe. That, Both that, of those were good, yeah. Those but... Those were good, but there has to be more than that for me. Leipzig, I suppose, is the only yeah. other sort of key result in there that got us. That as well. Neil Lennon was, what, how many years ago now? At least five. Well, his last season the Champions League was terrible. But it's a long time in football. Yeah. And that's a long time for other teams to make a lot more money than we do and spend it. I agree we could be spending our money better doing more. But I also think the way Brendan Rodgers plays in Scotland is 
excellent. It's brilliant to watch. Domestically, clean sweep so far. Look how many players he has improved, brought back from the dead. Guys, we write off time and time again. He manages to get everything out of them. Now, do we sacrifice all that and play differently in Europe? Or does he say to those players, look, you have improved as a player playing this game. This is how we should be playing football. Do you just scrap all that to try and get a win in Europe? Is that... I know this word principles used all the time. I do feel, I mean, I really am torn because I do feel that there's more the manager can be done, but you do make a good point. And Brendan Rodgers will turn around and say, this is why I need better players. You know, this is why I need better players because the step up is too much for the players we've got. You know, we we can't expect Christie to make the step up from being a reserve player to being an SPFL starter to being good in Europe in the space of six months, a year. It's... This is why Brendan Rodgers says he needs better players. There is also other teams in similar situation to us uh, struggle, like PSG. They have struggled for a long time. Win that French league, no problem. But once they step up the quality because they're not playing that every week, that's when they struggle. If you look at us, see, playing from the back, it works. The best teams do it, but you need to have the players they can do it it wasn't so much the playing you're right because it wasn't so much the playing at the back that cost us this game it no. was the lack of playing forward but look at the mm. look at the three out the back four Izagiri Simonovic Boyata sticking a wee pin in that Izagiri chat let's talk about let's talk about the back four uh, how long the have they been there but years about, and years not good enough well I know we have this conversation almost every week it seems Stephen <laughs> that you know we, we're, we're picking on Izagiri Izagiri struggled in Europe four years ago no. You know what I mean? He's no, he's struggling in Europe now. Um, you said last week on the podcast there was a bit of a contentious moment, if I remember correctly. We both went for Hayes at left back. Yeah, I wanted Hayes. I didn't. In fairness, no, sorry, to me, we went for Azagiri. Yeah, you went right. for Hayes. I yes. went for Hayes. In fairness, though, I'm not going to. I'm not going to sit here and say that I fought particularly hard for it. I think I just said I'd prefer Hayes. Yeah. I didn't say no. Azagiri must not play. It didn't really go. Maybe like if that. he did, he wouldn't have played. <laughs> Maybe, but. Um, yeah, I, I said that in Melee at the match as well. That was the only thing that I didn't get that I asked for in the starting lineup. Hayes didn't didn't play. Now, Izagiri's performance that night, it was appalling. That's it, it's done. Izagiri shouldn't play for Celtic. I, I don't mean for this to come out or it's like a personal attack or anything like that, but the, the facts of the matter are he's never good enough to be on that pitch, especially against Valencia. He's struggled domestically for yeah. the vast majority of this season. It's not his fault. Right, much the same as Lustig. I don't mean to come across like I'm like attacking these guys, but the, the absolute bare facts of it are Izagiri should never have been on that pitch. If you watch the video that I referred to earlier on, it's a highlight of how bad an individual performance can mm, be yeah. on the night. We're not picking on Izagiri. However, he, he was terrible. All of his passes, more or less, were returned to the person that gave him the ball. He hardly ever broke forward. There's a point in this game where Celtic are breaking... And that excellent video pauses and the caption is, where's Izagiri? Yeah, because right. Celtic are breaking forward and Izagiri is nowhere to be seen. The first goal, we might as well talk about it since we've arrived at it. Izagiri, the back line was a mess for that yeah. goal. It looked like Boyata stepped forward. Um, to, it was like a question mark, but yeah. a reverse question mark, the line. Boyata steps forward, probably correctly in my view, to try and anticipate the fact that he needs to close down the ball. Jozo tries to play a guy offside now, Izagiri gets slaughtered for this, and rightly so, but Jozo didn't seem to give Izagiri any signal that he was playing offside. Jozo just 
step forward to play offside. I blame the two of them equally. Yeah, and Izagiri's completely switched off and the guy goes past him. Now, that might be down to the fact that Jules and Izagiri, how many times have they played together this season? I don't, I don't know. Probably but, yeah, terrible, was, terrible, com- terrible yeah. communication. And, but the and, thing and is, Valencia goes score a tap in effectively. Yeah, the, the thing is though, it reminds me as well of a few moments throughout the game. Actually, we talked about the other night. There were Jozo and Bogata seemingly being surprised to see each other. They they kept either leaving the ball to each other or not realizing the other one was there. And yeah, Izagiri might not have played with Jozo much this season, but they, they've been together for four years. Where Izagiri had a slight break in the middle of that, but Jozo Simunovic and Boyata haven't developed any kind of communicative relationship in the four seasons that they've been at Celtic. That's that's unforgivable. Jozo, is he the Bosnian FA Ambrose? <laughs> <laughs> it could be. He's not up to the standard. Neither. Was as a gear. It was painful to watch with the back four because yeah. at the very start, Bain played a pass out and it was a bit of a risky pass, mm. but we got away with it. And there was another couple of passes and, and after that, and then that was it for the defence. Izagiri gave the ball away once or twice and that was his game gone. That was it. Just safe passing the whole time, the rest of the game. Well, just playing he, ourselves into trouble. You say that, Wazegiri, though. He was, he was even failing to play Aye. safe passes eventually. He was passing a lot of the times to Scott Sinclair, who had two men, three men yeah. on, and he was just, Izegiri just basically had a night half. He just didn't want Aye. that ball. There was there was talk, we were obviously at the game, we didn't catch a commentary, but I've since heard that Chris Sutton was slaughtering him as well, saying mm-hmm. he, he was moving like Robocop. And he just, he wasn't... What, neck first, you know, Robocop? Yeah, it turns out like, his head yeah. first, yeah. A, a bit like that. But the, it's just, he's got a terrible lack of awareness for someone so experienced. Yeah. And what has he got, like 70-odd international caps? And he's been he's been around the block a good few times, and he's got a... I don't know if it's a lack of mobility now. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought so. He's always been a pretty fit guy. Although he's, he's one of these weird guys who looks... Fat and fit at the same mm. time because he's got that kind of wee ball face, but he's also shredded. It's kind of strange like that. <laughs> but, but, um, like myself, you yeah. see me, I'm looking a bit jolly, but don't, it's all business underneath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's, he, he seems to switch off awful easily in that the first goal. Yeah, we all thought in the stadium, we all thought it was offside, but it was nowhere near it when you mm. see it back. Jozo, I think, had a bit of a howler as well, especially for the second goal. He seemed to have yeah. no again that excellent video. I'm going to refer to it again. Um, just switch this off and watch that video. I just watch that video because it's absolutely brilliant. It's it's so it so succinctly points out all the mistakes. The second goal, Jozo had no idea where the attacker was until the guy more or less stuck it in the back of the net. Yeah. Didn't he check? No, didn't he look once? And he played him onside as well. It was the narrow narrow margins, but once again, Jozo was playing him onside. Izagiri arrives after the ball's already in the net. And it's, yeah, it's a good cross in fairness to them. It was a pinpoint cross and all the guy had to do was tap it away. You all know how I love a tap-in. That, that bit me in the ass. that one, <laughs> didn't it? I said last week, worried about Tolihan, that he doesn't get back into position quickly enough and the exploited is down that side mm. for the second goal. The goals as well, I remember looking at the clock and thinking, I think it was about 40 minutes, I was like, just get to half-time because the crowd were very anxious. We weren't penetrating them at all. We weren't going forward at all. I thought, see if we can get to half-time, no, no. That gets the crowd in, fresh half. If we get something straight away from kickoff, we can start going at them and that will get the crowd on back behind the team. But they didn't. And to lose the goal right before half time and then to lose a goal straight after half time yeah. is absolutely criminal. We're just time and time again letting silly goals. Valencia never ripped us apart. They did no. catch us a couple of times with the odd press and caught us out and moved forward quickly. But they didn't rip us apart and score good goals. We made it easy for them. And once they get in the league, 
the lead that's just they can just sit in, in that four four two and soak it up all day because they've got the players in midfield to do it. Parejo and Condobia, Condobia yeah. was an absolute machine Monster, in there. Aye. Just won everything. Played it simple, and it just we just made it look really easy. For How them. was Pacini? Oh yeah, um, funnily enough, in the first half that, that uh, turncoat uh, mm-hmm. who didn't sign for Celtic, how dare he turn down Celtic for for, for the money and also a, a superior league in good football and <laughs> but, um, but that what a, what a loser. <laughs> but, um, in the first half, I actually thought, eh, do you know what? Dodged a bullet here. He had mm. one or two dodgy moments, but I thought in the second half he actually came into it quite well. He was getting forward, beating some players at a time. Sinclair gave him a, a tough time in the first maybe 20 minutes, half an hour, but then he kind of settled into it. I think he eventually went off, but um, just nearly mentioned Kondogbia there. Just an absolute monster in, in the midfield, just, just strolled it. There, uh, Picked up half. a book in there, can dog bear Yeah, the deliberate book in, yeah, he's been charged. <laughs> 3 0 to Celtic, let football win. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, Dia Cabby, their centre half, um, played excellently as well, but I found out he's only 22 or something. He's like a French under 21 international. But that's their centre half pairing was is like the perfect on paper partnership because it's like the young, up and coming, you know, big athlete. He's very comfortable on the ball as well, right beside the guy, the most been there, done that, done everything. Guy in Ezekiel Garay. Well, that, we, we, we've got that. We've got that when we play Lustig and Jack Kendry together. <laughs> of course. That's right. But D- Danny Parejo, um, a lot of people had been talking about him as the danger man before that. And he only played a half, but he was excellent in the first half. And he was well on his way to having the best midfield performance against Celtic since Rabio for mm. PSG. I thought he was brilliant. He kept doing the same thing over and over in the first half. He would wait until he was closed down. Like two or three players would converge on him in a sort of attempt at a press and he would just wait for the centre-half to step out and he would just play it between two players and that all of a sudden they've moved 20 yards up the pitch and have totally broken the press. It was a joy to watch. So once again, Melly... Or, or not. Or not. <laughs> so once again, Melly, Celtic failed to perform above expectations in Europe. Well, I wouldn't even say two expectations, I'd say. I don't think they played as well as they could have. Well, no, no. You're, you're quite right. You know... I suppose what I'm wanting from Brendan Rodgers, and I probably won't get it now, is you know a handful of performances where you expect us to turn in a poor one, and we turned in an excellent one, and they seem to be they seem to be pretty lacking. Also, by the way, we've talked about Boyata, Izagiri, and there's one other that makes up that triumvirate of uh, experienced letdowns on the night. Oh no, Scott Brown was absolutely shocking. Yes, in fairness to him, it was only really for a. 10, 15 minute period. He burst the ball at the park three uh, times. He completely went to pieces. It was it was bizarre, really. But a lot of people are saying he, like, he was terrible the whole game. That's him finished again. You know, As if Scott Brown finished yeah, he's again. Finished, he's finished again. But for that period, yeah, he turned and rattled the ball at the pitch at one point. In fact, he did it twice because he booted the ball over Izagiri's head, played and going back towards goal. I'd so, rather do that than give it to Izagiri, though. On the <laughs> <night>. <laughs> he, he was, um, he, he had no chance against Condogbia, but even when Francis Coquelin came on, he was easily outmuscled for for the second yes, goal yeah. as well and uh, just just an off night an off night for him um but there's no point in skimming over it because he's a big part of why the tie is now as as good as dead he just he didn't perform i was really disappointed in the free midfield actually it was cal mcgregor's mm. poorest game for a he long was, yeah. time and christie as well uh, to be fair christie he could have been played in we didn't play his strengths either because the ball's back there but Brown and Chris, uh, Brown and McGregor just didn't look after the ball the way no. they should, and that's really disappointing having that free midfield against the two of Valencia, and we were absolutely dominated time yeah. and time again. See, even from our position where we we were sitting, 
their midfield, as we say, they just played fl- banks of four. It was basically yeah. a, a really standard four four two, which is you know real football lads. <laughs> um, two strikers, two goals. Mate. Two. That's that's how it works. We all know that. Just play two up front, you get two goals, one from each. But uh, their midfield just looked like a, a brick wall of navy blue. I think they were navy blue strips. It just looked impenetrable, and I think that led to a. An awful lot of the negative play from Tolian in particular, he just didn't look interested in going forward. I don't think he was helped out much by Forrest ahead of him. In fairness, I think he he was all right towards the end of the game. He sprang to life after the subs came on. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. before that, I, f- I just felt he was hiding again. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 So tie over? Never over till it's over. It's over. Only there's <laughs> a wee percentage of teams have won two 0 away from home and went through. Do you know what that is? They tell us 97% of teams that win the first leg <laughs> 2 0 away from home go through. Ah, so okay. you're saying there's a chance. Yeah. <laughs> what, I, what I would say is in the away leg, I am 100% confident in saying that Celtic will concede in the Mestalla. I, th- I don't think I'm saying anything particularly controversial there. I think I no. could bank on them conceding at least one, which would leave them having to score four goals away from home in Europe against Valencia at the Mestalla. I'm not sure many teams do that, never mind Celtic away. So I would never say it's, it's dead as a tie. You, you just never know, but it's extremely difficult from the position we've left ourselves in. Keep the faith, boys. It's never over till it's over. Never give up. Just any more buzzwords coming out of buzz, big buzzword there? It's never over until Chris Boyd sings. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to him. And so after the game, there's a lot made about the budgets. Um, before it, you know, Celtic, when the Swiss Ramble put the graphic out showing how much Celtic spent, I think I discussed it on last week's podcast, we spent 50% more on our wages mm. than, than likes of Salzburg did. People have started to now look at that and go, we should really be doing better for the money we're spending. For the record, though, Salzburg lost to mm. Bruges away. Um, but I don't think, mainly that there's any doubt that we need a rejig in that department. Yep, complete rejig. It's probably going to happen now. Looks like the manager's going. By all accounts, it looks like there's a director of football coming in and a coach coming in into that. That's fine, it's probably the way to go, but what a job we have in the summer because that team right, right now, with a lot of lone players in it, get absolutely taken apart. Well, outplayed, outclassed, and they're going to be, that team's going to be ripped apart. So, Stephen, I'm going to say a statement to you. I just want you to tell me if you agree or disagree. Celtic spend too much money on substandard players. What are the options again? Agree or disagree? Agree. Thank you. I wasn't listening. No. <laughs> Always the same. Always the same. <laughs> um, no, the, the point I'm making is that we may have a 50% higher wage budget than Salzburg, but it's because we pay players who aren't good enough too much money. Yeah. And we have far too many players. Oh, that's It's paid real... 50% more to 50 players. Yeah. yeah. Right? It's, 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 massive. it's really that simple. So the first step of doing better in Europe is consolidating our funds into, into better paid and more talented players. I don't want to go too far down this road, but Celtic need to get better at offloading. I mean, yeah. got, Celtic seem to be uniquely poor at being able to get rid of players because they sign these players who aren't good enough and pay them too much money. Yeah, pay them too C. much point money. One. Yep, pay them too much money and you can't get rid of them. That's four years. I think Scott Allen has been at the club. Am I, am I right? Did he sign a yeah. four-year contract and he's seen the whole thing out? 
Marvin Comper's still there. Again, I don't want to go too far down this we, road. We, we, we all this, know the yeah, names. Could we do all this know all night, yeah. um, We got a decent point through from a, a listener called Scott Fulton. He's asking about, sort of made a, it was a joke, obviously, that mm. if we could uh, bring in Steve Clark just for the European games. Right. Um, because, I mean, Steve Clark, we'll get on to him in a second, from playing Kilmarnock, he obviously knows how to stifle a team. Do you think that's the sort of approach Celtic should be taking in Europe? Because if Steve Clark can do it with Kilmarnock against us and against Rangers and all that, could Celtic do that, Millie? Would it go totally against... Is, it, is that not even a Brendan Rodgers thinking? Eh, that's what I was talking about earlier. It's hard to... We need to see what Steve Clark can do with a team at Celtic because he's setting up Kilmarnock and he's doing that well. But remember, Gordon Strachan got results, Neil Lennon got results. But seeing their last couple of seasons... Football in the yeah. SPL was brutal. I think it's funny. It's funny he should mention Gordon Strachan and Steve Clark the same sentence. That's the dream team for next season. Yeah, <laughs> Gordon <laughs> Strachan, director of football, Steve Clark, head coach. I think Scott's specific point though is about is asking whether he would do better in Europe, not not as Celtic manager, if you could sub them in and yeah. out, if, yeah. how if we would get on better. And I suppose it boils down to what you're willing to give up to achieve so it depends your goals versus your principles and all that kind of thing but what I would say is that management well it's about being versatile there are, there are different things to be done it's not about finding a philosophy and just sticking rigidly to it regardless of results I know that's not what Brendan Rodgers does but if he were to make Celtic harder to beat in Europe it doesn't make him a bad manager it doesn't mean that he has sold his principles completely down the river. It's a it's a results business at the but, end of the day. But let me be Brendan Rodgers here, right? <laughs> let me be by all means. Do, let you me do be, the accent. I can't, but you say work like him. Work. There we go. Supporters. There we go. Like, I'll be Brendan Rodgers here. What more do you want me to do? We had more of the ball. You know, Steve Clark couldn't have Celtic have more of the ball. No, Gordon. No. You know, Gordon Strachan's teams, as frustrating as they were in Europe, were successful because they knew how to keep the ball. Got. Brendan Rodgers Celtic kept the ball. They had more of the ball than the other team. They just kept making mistakes. And I think Brendan Rodgers' point would be, how do I stop you, Scott Brown, putting the ball out of the park? How do I make you, as a Giri, play the way I want you to play? It's a good point, yeah. It's and, impossible, and, and, yeah. It is. There's all, look, I like the way he plays, but there's also, look at the defence. This is his third season again. Look at that defence. He hmm. brought in... He brought back Izagiri. Where's the centre-halves? Because he's had, what, six, seven, how many windows to bring in centre-halves of sufficient quality? He's brought in Benkovic, and that's it. But the boy's injured, he'd be playing if he was... Yeah. That's true, but he's had how many years to get another one? Colo, is he still, still on the books? Is <laughs> he <laughs> on the budget, though? I, I, I agree, yes, Valencia have got more money and higher-paid players. But see, they had a player making his debut against Celtic and he scored and set up one goal. They bought him for €5 million Euros two weeks ago. Now, Celtic, I'm not saying they should have signed him from underneath Valencia's noses, but it's not. Valencia aren't really about signing £40 million players, although they are capable of doing that. They just have better players, unfortunately. But the thing is, Celtic, we can't have this both ways because on that pitch, we had a £13 million striker. We had a £9 million striker come off the bench. Timo Weir, what would it cost to sign him from PSG? 15, 20, 15, something like that. 20 We've got a centre-half that we turned down £9 million for. James Forrest was linked with Liverpool a few weeks ago and everyone scoffed at £8 million. The implication there being that he's worth much more than that. So there's an awful lot of value on that pitch for Celtic, regardless of what was paid for them or not. But I just think for the value of the players that Celtic had on the pitch and could call upon, it's still didn't put in the required performance anyway. You talk about money. Celtic have £27 million cash in the bank. 
Right, it's a nice little bouncing. Um, <laughs> this is what happens when you have your cash in the bank and not in the park. That's exactly what I was going to say. We could maybe spend some of that cash on players and put it in the put it on the park and maybe do a little bit better. There's no doubt that Celtic could spend more. But the, the other thing is it swings too far the other way. I think a lot of people look at that as if it's the transfer budget, as yeah. if it's a computer game, basically. But that's not the case. Celtic are an expensive club to run. And it's not It's not just as simple of, well, we have £27 million in the bank. You can spend 26 of that, still have one, a whole million pounds <laughs> yeah. in the bank and still be loaded. No, that's not what it works. But I do agree that it could definitely be less frugal. Plus, if we don't make the Champions League next year then we're going to need that 27 million as, you, as you say Stephen it swings in roundabouts that's you sounded like Peter Lowell in it oh, we might need that in case we go out but we'll spend a bit and get through because well, someone on this someone on this podcast has to sound like <laughs> Peter Lowell um, so as I said Europe is out the way but something that's not out the way well it is for Rangers haha <laughs> it's a league title smashed at melee 1-0 I wrote a Scott Brown rocket <laughs> sends Celtic to their 8th title in a row yes or no I don't like this. I don't like it either. <laughs> I don't like it. it makes me nervous. One foot over the line, maybe? Every sort of... Here's how I put it on Twitter. The league title is dead. Beat Rangers at Celtic Park to bury it. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'd, I'd agree with that. Eight points is nice at this yeah. stage of the season. It's not quite not quite there yet, but it's a nice wee cushion. A nice wee goal difference ahead, so really yeah. it's nine. But when you look at... Uh, before the going into the game at Command, we had the six best of... Oh, six, so it's right in the middle. Worst away away form in the league. Was it six best right? or worst? Oh, it's right in the middle. <laughs> well, so Keep glass, that in. Glass half empty. <laughs> oh, all right, start again. We had the... We were six in the league for form away from home. Okay. That's not good enough. So we've got a lot of away games. Eight points is a good lead. We have to play Rangers home and away. And we have the split as well. So I would... I still think... We're ahead, but we need to keep this momentum going. We need to power ahead. It's not over yet. Don't want to look too far ahead, but we have got a difficult run with Hearts, Aberdeen and Rangers in mm, the next yeah. five weeks. I think if we get nine points from those games, including beating Rangers, I think the league will be well beyond them. But let's talk about Kilmarnock. Robo Clark once again made it made his team incredibly difficult sure to did. beat. The game was diggity dug shit. Yes, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was very poor indeed. A lot of it down to the pitch it has to be said. Again, I'm not. I'm kind of bored talking about plastic pitches, but it has to be acknowledged at least because that was diabolical once again. Brendan Rodgers is right. It sounds a, a bit kind of hyperbolic to say that he's never seen a good game of football on one, but he's. I'm struggling to come up with anything contrary to that because that, that was another one. It just it wasn't a good game of football at all, and it was <laughs> settled by picture of the scene. A ball comes floating across. No, oh, here he goes. He's about to talk down Captain Fantastic yeah, again. Yeah. Scott Brown arrives on the scene. <laughs> the whole goal to aim at. The stage is set. The script is written, and he levels it so far over the bar that it was clear in the stadium. But Alex Bruce, son of Manchester United legend Steve. Punches the ball, scoops the ball out of the sky, and throws it into the bottom corner. Biomechanics. <laughs> it was. Biomechanics, yeah. Before this game, if you'd offered me a 1 0 win against Kilmarnock, I would have snatched it off you because mm. I, going to Kilmarnock, I'd say that's the most difficult test after a big European game mm-hmm. we, we will face. As is proven by recent results. Yep. I hadn't beat them. Well, I lost yeah. the last two games mm-hmm. there. Up against Steve Clark, it's just everything looked like wearing that strip. Oh, it's I know, a bad I know. One. See, if you had offered me that 1 0, I'd have snatched it. But if you'd offered me 1-0, I'd 
Cut Broadfoot being sent off. Scott Brown scoring a sclaffed winner in the last <laughs> minute that deflects off the guy that came on Enough. for Cut Broadfoot. And the Hun fury after it. Oh. I would say, this is too much. Just <laughs> the tears are delicious. Just I, saw, <laughs> I saw a cracking picture. My uncle sent me through a picture of a noted St. Mirren fan, Chick Young, sitting behind Brendan Rodgers looking absolutely furious. Oh, I wonder how Stevie G's feeling this morning after... Oh, just just so you know, this is uh, I'm going to I'm going to pause the podcast here because uh, Rangers drop points mm. and quite unusually, and I think it's something that we should highlight. And uh, Stephen Gerrard threw his entire team under the bus, right? Unusual. Uh, he seems to be losing it. Yeah, he got the old Tommy gun out and just uh, put them all against the wall. Unusual. Um, but I thought you know he would have been watching that Kilmarnock game. He was definitely watching it. Oh, he was one hundred percent watching it, and he was thinking, Celtic are going to drop points here. And, and that's all I could see when that goal went in and Scott Brown's in the crowd. All I can think about is Steven Gerrard taking his can of whatever he was drinking in his tiny wee hands and throwing it, <laughs> his, throwing it in his telly and just storming up the stairs to what see. What do you think he does drink? Dark fruits? Aye, I, I think he um, drinks dark fruits or yeah, something. That he th- a blue wicked. Blue no, wicked no, do you know what he drinks? Do you know what he drinks? He drinks something shite that he thinks is posh so he, Bailey's right okay he's yeah. trying to be staunch Bailey's mixed with something Bailey's lemonade <laughs> anyway we sort of returned to the side for Johnny Hayes do you think that was tactical or do you think it was because uh, Izagiri was honking well, well yeah I think it's the second one well I suppose they both come under the same umbrella don't they it's it's tactical to get your worst player out of the out of the team <laughs> he wasn't in the squad at all I can only imagine that's that's got to be it Johnny Hayes is in perfectly reasonable form yeah. at left back he's he's been perfectly functional without being spectacular. There was a, a great moment of defending from Johnny Hayes in the game where I think Sinclair was robbed of the ball on the left and they broke down the right-hand side. Johnny Hayes comes from nowhere and busts past both of them. It outpaces both Sinclair and the Kilmarnock attacker and somehow recovers the ball. I thought it was great. But he'll, he'll have to do. I hear that Motherwell on Sunday has been earmarked for the return of Kieran yes. Tierney. Yes. Yeah, he's not going to make Valencia, unfortunately, but... We can only hope that's the case. Perfectly happy with Johnny Hayes being back up, but we must address the, the left-back situation. Um, more squad additions probably worth talking about. Armstrong, Okoflex made the bench. Mm. Bayou also made the bench. Edward came back. It was sort of starting to live and return to form with the two the two new guys on the bench. Yeah, Okoflex and Bayou played for the reserves last Monday. Well, it, was, uh, it was Monday we were in, so he got his rewards, didn't he? Was he like 16, 17 or something? 16, must be. Yeah. The bench is looking stronger now. That was mm. Valencia and Kilmarnock looking stronger. We had options to change it. And again, Benkovic, Rogic, Tierney, players to come Cham, back. Yeah. And Cham as well. All these guys would play. And maybe it shows the Valencia again. You mentioned it like in the Patreon that when these guys have been out for so long, you sort of forget about them. They would have been a massive difference yeah, to absolutely. Team. Like Tierney and Benkovic at the back instead of is Aguirre and Jozo would have been we would have played a lot better even just those two and that's discounting entirely in Cham and Rogic because well, it's in Cham stage isn't it yeah absolutely but it's good to see a guy like Okoflex not featuring but in in the plans because these guys come in and you tend to just yeah. think oh, we'll, we'll probably he's, never see this he's guy he's very highly rated as, mm, as right. far as I understand it he, he was a bit of a coup um Coop, not a coup. A coop. No, that's Scottish. That boy's a coup, as if he's rubbish. I mean, a, a coup. Scott yeah. McDonald says coop on yeah. Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> Scott McDonald's saying for Partick Thistle. Yeah, yeah Scott McDonald's debut. No, did he? Yeah, did Be interesting yeah. to see who he does, because Gary Caldwell is sinking like a stone in there. No, not anymore. 
Is he not? Unbeaten in five, I think. Oh, so kidnapping your players. He'd be well just getting the old band back together, doing a, doing a Rangers at Partick Thistle. So who's still playing? Is Nick, Moore still kicking Nakamura's the ball? still playing. Barry Robson's chunked it. Is it? Uh, Willow floods without a club. Right, well, there you go. The <laughs> stage go. is set, that, That's all you need. Um, some instances of the game, the Kamarnock game, referees copping it again. Mm. Um, Rangers fans at the moment are fuming with referees. <laughs> yeah. Because things keep happening, like their players are getting kicked square in the head and it's not a foul and Scott Brown is apparently halving people and he's only getting a booking for it. Um, how do you think the referee done this game, Stephen? I thought it was fine. I thought it, it was... You brother, would think that? Because it's a Timmy conspiracy. <laughs> it, was a, it was Brother Madden, wasn't it? But um, I think he got the majority of the big decisions right. I think Scott Brown, the incident we're talking about here was the, that tackle right, yeah. he got booked for. I think it was a yellow. I think yeah. it was. I think it was a bad one. But I, I just don't want to see red cards thrown about for for everything. The compliance officer era is one of the yeah. most boring in Scottish football history. I'm almost for honestly scrapping the compliance officer and just having it all settled in the day. Yeah, just I, I, forget the compliance <laughs> officer. Just settle it on the day, and if you don't like it, lump it. And I'm not just saying this because. You know, it's Scott Brown. I don't want to see him get sent off, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't be given red cards for that. But I think it's a, it's a, it's a hard yellow. It's an orange, mm. but it, I don't think it's a straight red card for that. In, I don't want to see red cards branded about Willie Nelly, do you? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> do you think Melly it was fair to send Scott Brown off for a celebration? Yeah, fair but worth it. Oh, every time. Well, everybody knows if you go into the crowd, you get booked. But that late in the game, that euphoric, mm. who cares? For exact, for exactly that, that is why the booking exists, Stephen. Because yeah. because of what happened, if you jump the board, you're inciting the crowd to come on the pitch. Yes. The crowd came on the pitch. Whilst we're speaking about the crowd, I should have mentioned the Valencia game. Sensational display by the Green Brigade oh, yeah, once again. Rhythm with this, rhythm with I that. I yeah. absolutely loved that. Um, the crowd in this game, bit of a different story. There was a bit of moaning about the crowd coming on the pitch, which I thought was funny, mostly from Rangers fans who do it every week, yeah, every almost game, yeah. every week. Then they go, oh, look at you, acting hard, because you know, they were on the pitch. The, the sending off, yes, it is a sending off, because, again, we can't have this both ways either. We can't say, oh, the refs aren't applying the laws, or they're, they're making it up as they go along, no consistency, and then when they do apply the rules. Yeah. It's a different debate over whether a Rangers player would have been booked for that. Who knows? Arguable. But that, that to me though, that over-celebrating rule to me is the most inconsistent or the least consistent book, booking in the game. Well, Celtic had one just a couple of weeks ago. I think, was it Weir? No, Weir and Forest. Weir and Forest. One yeah. of them was booked, one of them wasn't for exactly the same thing in the same game. Now, I, I actually blame Oliver Burke for this because see if you actually watch it back, Scott Brown jumps over the first board, yes, and you could be booked for that. But what happens is then... Burke actually kind of picks him up and throws him into the crowd. <laughs> if he hadn't done that, it would never have happened. He had actually stopped well back from the crowd. Uh, Chris Boyd Melly, he was getting some abuse. People were calling him names and he didn't like it. <laughs> um, uh, very difficult to have any sympathy for Chris Chris Boyd. Yeah. He was he was getting coins thrown, him, which obviously is out of order. Yeah. I mean, you just don't... don't th- All you're doing is losing the moral high ground and you start tossing yeah, no. coins. Um, although Chris was quick to take to Instagram and complain about Celtic, the so-called best fans in the world. You know, that's that's nothing but sour grapes for Chris. I mean, he's he's reaching for those grapes, man, and he's, he's trying to make that wine, and that, that wine's already sounding like a little violin with his, his cheese and wine, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> Come to us for your near indecipherable 
obscure yeah, NMA if you, jokes. If you, get, if you get that reference, tweet us, tweet us, where, tweet us where you get that reference from. I laugh from. every time. Yeah, no, Change I just, uh, these things shouldn't be happening to Chris Boyd, but at the same time, he's very choosy about what he uses as his, his presence oh, and his column to, to moan about. Just on, on the sending off, actually, just to go back a bit, uh, you might be able to help me or correct me if I'm wrong, but did this not happen to Chris Commons years ago? I think it was like 2011 or something. It was at Tynecastle. I'm sure he'd been booked for diving and then a few minutes later he scored in a 3 0 victory and then just walk, just walked straight <laughs> into the crowd. And I'm thinking, no, no, don't do that. And he just walked straight into the crowd with his arms and everybody hugged him and sure enough he got sent off. I'm sure that happened and he was suspended for a Huns game, I think, or I something along those lines. I can't lines. remember that. But I mean, there, is, there, there seemed to be an acceptance and there probably is an acceptance, especially from someone like Scott Brown, that. When you're on a yellow and you score yeah. in the last minute and you go, you know you're going to get the he red card. He just walks straight off. He just walks straight off. It was Bobby Madden. He probably a bit for scoring. <laughs> it's an interesting debate as to whether, you know, obviously he skied his goal well over the bar and it went in off a hand. Would that penalty have been given had it not gone in? The oh, old well, biomechanics debate. Well, it certainly should have been. Yeah, yeah. This game really was so bad that um, the only incidents really worth talking about are the goal and the two sided off. <laughs> Good to see Kirk Broadfoot mm. walk for being um, thick. Aye. That's a definite red card. Aye. Uh, just, he knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah. Even, even if you give him the slight benefit of the doubt, Steve Clark said after the game that he's adamant he just tried to go for the ball, but even if you give him that benefit of the doubt, which I'm <laughs> dubious to do, it's the, it's the old cliche it's reckless, it's dangerous, it's out of control. He. Not only did he was his foot high because I don't really care about the foot being high like that. As I said with Jozo in the Hibs game, sometimes that just happens mm. whether it's violent play or not. But he, when you actually watch it, he's raking his foot downwards as as the foot comes in and the he's balls, a dirty dirty player. Cut I can't know, cut Bradford, he's the honest guy yeah. in the in the world. He he deserves it. I think he's one of these guys as well that is named all his kids. Something starting with K. Oh, has he? Like oh, that's really Cole with a K and all that. Another highlight of the game for me. Wea loves it, doesn't he? Oh, mm. wee Timmy. T- T- Timo? I've never heard someone called Timo before. Timo absolutely loves it. Was he booked? Yeah, yeah he was booked, booked after the game. After the game finished. <laughs> noising up the Kamalik players. He said in an outrageously verbose and American uh, Instagram post, mm. as is typical of yep. Timo Wea, that he'd, he was getting it. He was getting abused from the minute he came on, so he, he wanted to give a little back. So fair enough to him. Fair enough to him. He, he, he knew what he was doing. Again, much like Brown, he knew he was taking a booking for it, but sometimes that's more important. Do you know what was hit adorable? <laughs> what was hit adorable? Um, Dancing. Ba- bio, when he oh, came yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't he do the dance? Yeah. <laughs> Didn't he know the dance? And then, after it, when his Instagram wrote, can someone teach me this dance, please? Uh, Get your steak, son. You're well, it for no, I'll, send him, I'll send him one of my famous Celtic player Instagram DMs. See, with the game being that bad, it was a bit like, we all remember the game against Kilmarnock where Rogic scored that absolute scream in the last minute. Yep. You forget about how bad the game was and see those moments after the yeah. game worth every second of the Turgeon match. Oh, that's a huge one. An oh, absolutely massive. massive one. There's no two ways about it, yeah. It's those type of games and that those type of moments that you remember when you when you won yeah. the league, as you, as you said there. It, it's not quite done yet, but that will look, be looked back upon as a, a real important moment when the league is, comes home. Remember the one in the 98 season where Craig Burley scored a, a deflection? I was against Dundee United away at Tannadice. That was a that was a tough game and it was a late, late goal that picked up the points. Champions win these games. They grind out results when they need to. Melly, you talk about the mark of champions. He's another mark of champions. 100% record in the league since coming back from Dubai. 
zero goals conceded. Yeah, absolutely. And Scott Baines making the position he's on now. I think he's he's not only doing the, the passing stuff well, as we've all seen with the, the videos that have been doing the rounds and the stats and all that. One or two shaky moments against Valencia, but again, that's that's fine because he's trying to make things happen. No player is going to come away with 100% passing stats. Well, very few. It's just highlighted when he makes mistakes mm. because it's so dangerous at the time. But he's making big saves as well. There was a moment in the commandment game that eventually get called back for offside, but he's still there making the, the saves. I thought Toljan was a little bit shaky mm. in yeah. this game. Now, I'd, I've kind of joked. I'm looking at the notes here, Stephen, and you have written on the 20-minute Tim's agenda that not anyone gets to see, but Melly, uh, you've seen this. Stephen's point is, Tolgan performance, a fancy German Gamboa. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so yeah. would you like to clarify that statement? Yeah, I just wants to get the name Gamboa <laughs> in <here laughs> I joked a little bit about this uh, on one of the Melly at the Match episodes that it, he's kind of... He's been good attacking so far when he wants to. Now, he was very tentative against Valencia and, again, against Kilmarnock as well. But he's, it doesn't look that great defensively yet. And I kind of joked about him being a fancy German gamble. But he's a bit shaky in this as well. Now, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt because I doubt he'll ever, ever have played on a pitch as poor as that before. But he just, he looks a wee bit, a wee bit frightened for some reason. I don't know. He looks... On the pitch, when he's not playing very well, he seems to shrink. He looks like a wee guy. <laughs> uh, Jordan Jones, who is a, a good player, in fairness to him, he can be tricky when he wants. He gave him a, a bit of a roasting at times. But the thing is, he's just in the door, yes, and we're still allow, allowing him to settle. But he's an incredibly short-term signing. You can't. There's not really any point in signing a guy for four months if he's mm. going to take six weeks to, to settle into the team. So I'm not I'm not going to uh, slate him yet, but... He's, he's, is he better than, Rod, uh, is he better than Lustig? Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, not yet. Um, I think he's mm-hmm. better. He's definitely better going forward. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. He has been involved in goals and chances made for Oliver Burke and Forrest as well. That's that's absolutely fine. But it's just his defensive side is a little bit, a little bit shaky at the moment. Do you think he keeps his place? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. For now, yeah. He's probably played more games already for us than he has for Dortmund this season. So yeah, that's, that's probably, another yeah. thing. Just I said in his first game, I worried about how long it took him to get back into position, but mm. we have to give him the benefit of the doubt and say, look, he's only, what, four or five games in. So we leave Kilmarnock behind, potentially a league-winning game, but we do have more difficult opposition this weekend. The informed team in yeah. the league, just behind us, Motherwell. Motherwell have collected in the last six games 50% of their total points total this season. Is that right? Yeah. Aye. Well, that's so a remarkable turnaround. They're that absolute informed team. Jack Hasty, the player that's catched everyone's eye, 19-year-old with five goals in his yeah. last six games. But it's at home, and Celtic simply do not lose football games at Parkhead. No, they don't. Hasty's on form, and uh, David Turnbull, Turnbull both, yeah. both good young players. It'll be interesting to see if they stay. That is quite the season. turnaround from them, though. I think they've won six straight in the league. Um, mm. But my favourite thing about Motherwell is um, you two guys slag me for it, but I like to listen to podcasts in like 1.5 oh, speed. It's unbelievable. Just do it, you know about this, Melly? He listens to them on... 1.5 speed so it's like whatever right. like chipmunks I'm, chipmunks no eh? it doesn't the, the pitch doesn't go up it's just the speed but right. um, I listen uh, I'm just used to it see if I slow a podcast down to normal speed now it sounds like they're drunk Can it I, sounds like well do you know what happens if you slow this podcast down and I'm not kidding on and I want you to do this listeners next time Stephen is talking to Stephen for those who don't know make your voice 
Hello, that, yep. this is my voice. Next time Stephen's talking, play this podcast on half speed, and Stephen sounds like Hugh Evans. But <laughs> <laughs> that, what was in the the one point five speed? See if you listen to Stephen Robinson talking at one point five speed, it is it is completely indecipherable. No one, no one <laughs> listens to Stephen Robinson talking at one point five speed. Melly, are you scared of Motherwell? Motherwell comes after Valencia, so it's hard to judge the game. Go by that. There'll probably be a few changes. What do we do? Do we? Make a couple of changes in the Valencia game, or do we go full team? We need to wait and see. Motherwell, we need to get this League One and Motherwell game is, could be one of the looking at it one of the easier games on paper. But we can't go into these games thinking we've won them because there's no point building up this eight point lead just to throw it away at the first sign yeah. of that. We need to press on now. Get these games won. Get players back. They are informed. They're playing well. The young players they've brought in have made a big difference and are more youthful looking team, more energetic. So it will be tough and they'll try to exploit us after the midweek. But Celtic partner Sunday, Tierney back, what more do you want? Indeed, yeah. And we've seen off uh, form teams in the league before. St. Johnson were in pretty good form until they encountered the Selic as well. Yep, we broke them. That's right. Until we came back to, to back to life against the Huns. <laughs> oh, terrific. Without Xander Clark as well. Yeah. And I suppose that's where we should wrap up podcast business we had a competition running this week thanks to everyone who entered the competition it was a bit convoluted but a lot of people got there in the end just before we recorded the podcast we randomly drew three names from a random name generator on the internet Stephen and we filmed it so it's all legit yes and these are are for the prints mentioned last week from Social Recluse there's one of Billy McNeil there's various bits and pieces three lucky winners will receive a a print in the mail from us. Thanks so for entering. We will tweet the winners. We'll put the draw video up on the Patreon for anyone to watch. It won't be behind a paywall, just so you know yep. it's all legit and above board. Uh, the Patreon, we are recording this week, Stephen, the oh. first... First ever TMT phone-in. Treble tier phone-in. That's right. Uh, it's your chance to be on the podcast, yep. effectively, yeah. So if you've joined the treble tier, that's those of you who have upgraded to the $5 tier, you can record a question and send it in to us. And we will feature your question on the podcast. And it's up. We're trying to do like a phone in thing yeah. every fortnight. <laughs> the, uh, the O'Neill years, we're about to embark on the second episode of that in the coming days and weeks. Um, that has been going over very well as well. The first episode of that has been well received. And if you like the sound of the Patreon, you can check it out at patreon.com slash 20 minute Tims. And Melly at the match on Sunday, Melly? Sunday, yes, Motherwell. And before that, on the Patreon, we will have the famed and final. Could be Brendan Rogers' last oh, yeah. match companion. Um, so there's there's a lot happening on the Patreon this week, this month. It's Thank- effectively, uh, if you're new to all this, it's like Melly at the match, but watching the telly. Yeah, it's like Melly at the match. <laughs> Don't degrade the match. The match companion was our first thing, Steve. I know. The first, the first side pod. And on that bombshell, we will end there. Thanks to everyone who's listening. Thanks to everyone who contributes to the Patreon. And thanks to everyone who tweets and leaves reviews. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.